You're listening to Kyle Warren. Well, let's just say that you have a position in a, the government, maybe, doesn't have to be the federal government, but let's just say a state or local, maybe even a county government. And you make certain statements about going out to eat at restaurants, how it's fundamentally dangerous, it has to be stopped. And then you even tell people, well, they've, they've got to stop going out to the restaurants. And then what do you do right after that? Well, yes, you go right out to the restaurant, evidently. An actual story. L.A. County supervisor talking about the dangers, then went right out to a restaurant. Stay with us, folks. All right. Welcome, everyone, around the globe and across the net. Kyle Warren with you. And a great pleasure uh, to be with you as we begin this Wednesday edition, as we race into and rocket into the Wednesday edition of the program. As we say, it is Wednesday, December the 2nd, 2020. And boy, do we have an awful lot to tell you about on the program today. We've got some great audio clips, including Jonathan Turley. Um, Also, we've got uh, some stories about stimulus packages package of possibilities uh, here, uh, plus the latest on the election, uh, the, on, the, the, on the election fight, basically, uh, plus much, much more as we go through the program today. So again, thanks for listening. And don't forget a quick program note. I will be a guest later on this evening on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program with host Captain Matt Bruce, of course. All that starts up at 11.05 p.m. Pacific, 2.05 a.m. Eastern Time and uh, emanating from the captain's flagship station of AM860 The Answer there in Tampa, Florida, with the program going out along the Salem Media Group of stations, also along the GCN network as well, up on the satellite. And uh, you can go to kylewarrenshow.com. That's kylewarrenshow.com. And you can uh, find the links to listen live to AM860 The Answer uh, for the Captain's America Third Watch radio program. Program. And, you know, last night or early this morning, depending on your time zone and perspective, uh, we were able to break some news as well uh, as the news was coming across uh, the services uh, that the UK uh, had uh, had approved the coronavirus uh, vaccine. So that will begin uh, very, very soon in the UK. That is great news, of course. And uh, all that be all that became known on the third watch. So uh, there's a lot of news breaking now. Not only in America, but around the world as well, overnight on the third watch. So I invite you to join us live on the radio later tonight. Um, and of course, the captain and I will have a complete wrap up of all the day's events, plus the news that you need to be hearing about, you may not be hearing about. Um, in the mainstream media, plus taking your phone calls as um, as well. Um, okay, so let's get started here today. Yeah, I do want to tell you about this LA County supervisor. Uh, this this is drawing a lot of uh, well anger. Um, and uh, a lot of outrage, and and rightly so, because people in the uh, Los Angeles area, now it's not in Orange County yet, although we may see some more restrictive, you know, stay-at-home orders, uh, stopping outdoor dining, uh, and so forth in Orange County. We're not seeing that yet. 
could be could be in the offing here. Uh, but up in L.A. County and the city of Los Angeles, they can't go out to eat, um, even to sit outside. So you can get takeout, but you can't you can't go sit outside. Uh, this from Fox 11, the local uh, Fox affiliate station um, in uh, in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area. Dateline Santa Monica protesters gathered outside the home of L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Cool. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, K U E H L. Uh, Kuel, Kuel, uh, on Tuesday after a Fox 11 report revealed hours after she voted to ban outdoor dining, she dined out so outdoors herself. <laughs> Again, you can't make this up. Uh, just hours after L.A. County supervisor voted to ban the outdoor dining at L.A. County's 31,000 restaurants, over COVID-19 safety concerns, she visited a restaurant in Santa Monica where she dined outdoors, Fox 11 learned on Monday. Fox 11 received multiple tips that shortly after her vote on Tuesday, Cool was seen driving outside at uh, Il Forno Trattoria in Santa Monica, an Italian restaurant near her house that she previously described as one of her favorite, quote-unquote, restaurants well we all have those uh, but she just voted to ban outdoor dining okay um so i don't know i guess she didn't have the time or, or the inclination i should say to simply call ahead and and get takeout uh so that she'd be practicing what she preached um when fox 11 investigative reporter bill malugan stopped by the restaurant to ask about cool's visit managers told him they quote didn't want to get involved unquote and they had no comment uh, she did dine al fresco at il forno on the last day it was permissible she loves il forno has been saddened to see it like so many restaurants suffer from a decline in revenue she ate there taking appropriate precautions and sadly will not dine there again until our public health orders permit this was a spokesman for uh, for the supervisor uh, that uh, provided that statement to fox 11 news uh, during um, tuesday's la county board of supervisors meeting cool referred to outside dining as get this folks a most dangerous situation quote unquote over which over what she described as a risk of tables of unmasked patrons potentially exposing their servers to the coronavirus this is a serious health emergency and we must take it serious seriously cool, uh, cool said the servers are not protected from us and they're not protected from their other tables that they're serving at, at that particular time, plus all the hours in which they're working, unquote. Cool went on to vote in support of restricting outdoor dining in Los Angeles County, which passed by a three to two margin of the Board of Supervisors. Cool's visit to the restaurant came before the outdoor dining ban took effect Wednesday evening, but her decision is likely to draw criticism from those who have grown frustrated with elected officials taking a hypocritical approach to what they have preached as Quill dined at the restaurant a mere hours after she said doing such a thing was unsafe and could contribute to the surge in COVID-19 cases. Uh, L.A. County Supervisor Janice Hahn, who strongly opposed the, the decision to ban outdoor dining, reacted to our reporting, that is Fox 11's on uh, reporting on Fox 11's special report uh, with uh, Alex Michelson. 
Quote, we have to remember that we who are in public office are held to a very high standard as we should be. And one of the things I'm realizing with some of these new restrictions is if we can't garner the trust of the public to be with us in this fight against the virus, then we've lost a big battle. And I'm feeling that now nine months into this, we're beginning to lose the trust of the public, Han said. Well, yeah, that's that's about right, because they see it as totally hypocritical. Um, and again, it's the do as I say, uh, not as I do. It's Gavin Newsom going to the French laundry thing and sitting there in the in the closed room, you know, closed in room with um, with other people, no masks on and so forth, while everyone else in California is just just expected to suffer in, the, in that sense. Uh, and then I understand, too, I think just briefly or just uh, soon after that, it's now coming to light that San Francisco's Mayor London Breed also went to the French laundry. Uh, you know, this is. Again, um, it's 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 obvious to the people. It's obvious to the people that those in these positions of power um, just don't get it. Uh, they don't get what's happening to the restaurants and even the idea. Well, you know, the supervisor didn't want, you know, they, they wanted to patronize the restaurant and this kind of thing. Well, there, she could have just written him a check too, uh, basically. Uh, but again, trying to sort of weasel out of that just isn't acceptable. And um, so again, the outrage, I'm spending time on this at the top of the program today, just again, to show that there is this hypocrisy out there. Um, And in New York City, uh, where you had uh, the, uh, what was it, Max's public house, that was shut down, but they had declared that an autonomous zone. But yet it didn't seem to have the same effect as it did in Seattle, did it? Because when it was in Seattle, it was like, oh, we got to leave it alone. It's an autonomous zone. But if you're just a law-abiding, you know, restaurateur in uh, New York and you declare yourself an autonomous zone because you have no choice but to try to make money to feed your family, well, then it's um, the, the hammer falls. There's no doubt about that. Okay, folks, quick break. Stay right there. We've got lots to talk about. If you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETs can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETs helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVET service officer or to learn more, visit AMVETS.org. Hey, I'm going out to buy those shelves for the closet. Oh, will you pick up 800 lumen bulbs? Honey, I love you, but 800 more flowers? You'll give the neighbors a real reason to think we're wacky. (laughs) Not flower bulbs, light bulbs. Come on, Dad. Lumens tell you how bright a bulb is. Our 60-watt bulbs give off about 800 lumens. We can replace them with new 800 lumen bulbs. Bulbs just as bright that use much less energy. So, we'll save money. Yes, and we can use that money to increase my allowance. Right. (laughs) Wise guy. Worth a try. So, you got that? Got it. No tulips, no watts, 800 lumens, and more savings. He got it. Lumens, the new way to shop for light. Learn more at energysavers.gov. That's energysavers.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Energy. After a long, hard day in the rough-and-tumble world of politics... 
Open a tall, cool Kyle Warren show. Ah, that crisp, refreshing taste. That smooth style. That effervescing attitude. And without all that other stuff that can, well, bog you down. Helping to put back what the daily media assault takes away, listen to The Kyle Warren Show weekdays right here on this station and visit the website at kylewarrenshow.com. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook. Class is in session with the professor of politics, Kyle Warren. Yes, it is. And thank you so much, Mr. Ron Edwards, for that great liner right there. And, you know, we are. This is putting back what the mainstream media assault does to you every day. We're putting all that stuff back. <laughs> And uh, so I'm glad that you've opened a tall, cool Kyle Warren show today. Folks, we're going up and up and up, just like the music is doing right there. And we're doing that for one reason and one reason only, and that is you, the listener. Thank you so much for sharing the program, for subscribing to the program, for telling your friends about the program. And if you're new here and if you like what we do, uh, we do ask that you uh, consider sharing the program on your social media. Um, also subscribing to the program. There are different ways you can do that. Simply go to KyleWarrenShow.com. Click on the subscribe button. You can have the show delivered to your inbox. Uh, you can subscribe directly to the podcast feed. You can find us at our podcast home on Podbean.com. So you can go to kylewarrenshow.podbean.com. You can also find us and welcome to everybody listening on these different podcast services that list the program. For example, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, also Podcast Republic, CastBox, and others. TalkStream Live uh, lists the program as well. And so we're thankful to everyone uh, for listening it and for listening to the program. And uh, we're just glad that you're aboard here today and uh, so you can also uh, find me on facebook uh, simply go to kylewarrenshow.com and also folks the newest a social media platform that we're on now is parlor and you can find me on parlor at kyle warren show we'd love to see you over there a lot of people going to parlor and a lot of people uh, finding the program on parlor we're very happy about that and so once again welcome back to the show okay uh so let's let's see here yes let's let's listen in i i want to hear um Jonathan Turley, and he was being interviewed uh, by Martha McCallum, along with uh, along with uh, Carl Rove, also uh, Geraldo uh, Rivera as well. Uh, but let's hear what Jonathan Turley has to say. I think she goes right to him right at the first of the uh, of the segment there. And Jonathan Turley is talking about the idea in Georgia, for example, that the essence of democracy is being subverted. So we'll hear the question from Martha McCallum and then uh, Jonathan Turley responding to that. Let's let's listen in. You know, the first thing that that uh, I just want to note with regard to these election issues, Jonathan Turley, is this quote by Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger, which I think is actually pretty chilling when he names these groups. Watch this. We have opened an investigation into a group called America Votes. 
who is sending absentee ballot applications to people at addresses where they have not lived since 1994. The New Georgia Project, who sent voter registration applications to New York City. And Operation New Voter Registration Georgia, who is telling college students in Georgia that they can change their residency to Georgia and then change it back after the election. So, Jonathan Turley, I mean, you know, who are these groups and who's supporting them? And it doesn't really matter if the numbers are small. Uh, this is what everybody from Bill Barr to Jimmy Carter said about the potential fraud in mail-in voting. Right. And it also just happens to be a crime. And so it's breathtaking that many of these groups are have this rallying cry to protect democracy and all votes should be counted, and yet they are actively subverting the essence of democracy. They're trying to bring in false votes, false voters. And you saw that with the New York Times columnist saying people should move down to Georgia to vote. Uh, it, this is all just disconnected from the narrative. It is not disconnected from the criminal code. Uh, this would be... A, a matter of Georgia criminal law. And it is clear that officials are prepared to prosecute people. And so I'm particularly worried about students uh, who are being, you know, encouraged to take these steps. They yeah. should not put themselves in this type of precarious position. So, Carl, I mean, this is the kind of thing that people are still talking about all across the country. They want to know who's backing these groups, who's supporting this. And if we know about 250 votes, are there thousands more that people don't know about? I mean, who, first of all, who Who's behind these groups? Who pays for them? Well, a lot of them are in the uh, sort of the galaxy of organizations that Stacey Abrams has a hand in, and a lot of them are funded by the, the usual suspects on the left. But I think Professor Turley made an excellent point. This is a felony. And if you don't think the Republicans are checking the 5,135 new people who voted, registered to vote after the November 3rd election and before a week ago last Friday, you're kidding yourself. They are absolutely checking these registrations. People who came to the state of Georgia and are registering to vote there and have no intention of becoming permanent residents as required by state law are going to find themselves mm. in a heap of trouble if, if they continue. So a, a very powerful stuff, no no doubt about it. And again, uh, I'm glad that uh, that Carl Rove mentioned uh, Stacey Abrams, because again, you know, when we take a look at what the Democrats and the far left um, are doing um, it, in in the in the greater election uh, universe here, is that you know they can't sell their ideas to the American people. In fact, if we look at what happened in the uh, in the House of Representatives with the Republicans making such great gains and the Democrats suffering such uh, amazing losses, yes, they still control the House of Representatives. But no matter how you slice this thing, it is bad for the Democrats. It is a major failure on their part. It can't be anything other than that. And in um, normal circumstances, in normal times, if this wasn't the, the Trump era, as it were, I think you would have seen Nancy Pelosi have to quietly, you know, sort of bow out of being, you know, uh, the Speaker of the House because they would have seen these losses for what they were a major disaster. So what this tells me is that they're not selling their their ideas to the american people the idea the american people aren't buying them um so what they have to do is they have to come up with these ways to subvert 
the democracy. And as as sure as anything, if if the far left and the mainstream media people, if they actually thought that somehow there was the Russian dossier and Russia subverted our election. And so it's that's why we need the special counsel, you know, that Jim Comey set into motion uh, with the New York Times thing and whatnot. And if all this was necessary and it went on for years and it turned out to be a big zero, um, why aren't they worried about this? Right. Why aren't they worried about this? Because this isn't these are actual things we can see that they are using to subvert democracy because they cannot sell their their agenda to the American public. Um, it has to always sort of be couched in different phrases. In fact, what was it Barack Obama said? I don't have it right in front of me, but Barack Obama was taking issue with the slogan, defund the police, because, you know, it sort of turns off a big part of what he called the audience, right? Um, and I guess not the voters or the American people, but the audience. Um, but he went on to say, well, it really should have been more like we need police reform so that everybody can be treated fairly. That would have been a better slogan. And he's actually getting pushback anyway from the so-called progressives on this. But, uh, but actually, no, because defund the police was exactly what they wanted to do. Um, the people who are in the streets yelling defund the police and the Democrat politicians who help them uh, by either just giving them political cover um, by sort of soft peddling, whatever it is that they were talking about. Um, all that goes together and people understood what the Democrats were selling. The Democrats ha were and are selling the idea of defund the police. This Barack Obama thing is just a damage control. Because they know if they run out and go say what they want to say, which is essentially defund the police, um, then uh, then people are going to go, wait a minute, that sounds too kooky. That's 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 bizarre and weird. And we're never going to do that. Why would we do that? Look what's happened when they've actually gone and defunded the police, for goodness sake. People are smart. People aren't stupid. And yet the Democrats and even Barack Obama continue to treat us as though we're completely stupid. And I think it's in, it's infuriating, to, uh, to say the least. But it's a great example. What they're selling, nobody wants to buy because it is just too weird. And so in order to get power, which is what, what, which is what they want to do anyways, they want to get the power. In order to get the power, it's just fine to simply do whatever you can, and especially to do these things we just heard Carl Rove and Jonathan Turley describing as crimes. See, that's okay, I guess, uh, because now it just doesn't matter. As long as the end justifies the means, and as long as you can get to where from point A to point B, and it doesn't matter if you inject hundreds of thousands of votes, doesn't matter if you send absentee ballot requests, to people uh, who haven't lived somewhere for since 25 years uh, and so forth, uh, only because, well, you know, this, this, this could work, you know, and in many cases it has worked. And that's what should be so concerning, should be concerning to every single TV person out there. They should be absolutely concerned. And this will mark my words, go down in history as a time when those who had a real opportunity to raise the red flag for democracy and not just for their preferred presidential candidate, uh, that they, they really, really missed it. <clears throat> Pardon me. They missed the mark.
totally. Um, and we're going to be worse off for it. No doubt about it. Okay, folks, when we come back, <clears throat> pardon me, we're going to have a lot more to talk about other great sound bites and more great stories to talk about when we return to the program. Wednesday edition. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned for the Edwards Notebook right here on the Kyle Warren Show. Despite the threat against our way of life, be the biased leftist media, the government school system, lying preachers, etc., a new day of greatness shall soon dawn here in America. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, the leftists have been trying to destroy our beloved republic ever since the Founding Fathers signed the Declaration of Independence. They understood that we the people were destined by God Almighty to be free and to enjoy the benefits of liberty. For God gave us brains to make decisions and get things done without the egotistical control freaks trying to control us from cradle to grave. I foresee an outbreak of true morality throughout the land as more and more of our fellow countrymen and women realize that in order to be truly free, we must be influenced by and put into practice the high moral standards which long ago came from God Almighty. Just know that America's enemies around the world and domestically strutting their stuff will soon collapse in utter defeat and big-time disappointment as America will truly be great again. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. You're listening to Kyle Warren. All right, welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue racing through and rocketing through this Wednesday edition of the broadcast. And don't forget, I'll be a guest later on this evening on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program. Simply go to KyleWarrenShow.com for links to listen live, 11.05 p.m. Pacific, 2.05 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we hope to see you there. Um, Okay, uh, let's see here. Uh, This from Newsmax. Um, amid the uncertainty of stalled coronavirus stimulus talks, <clears throat> pardon me, folks, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin sees the surest path to quick relief to the to the American people in the legislation proposed by Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Republican from Kentucky, of course. Uh, the president will sign the McConnell proposal that he put forward on Tuesday, Mnuchin told reporters Wednesday, should the proposed package pass the U.S. Congress. We look forward to making progress on that, he said. McConnell, who had been pushing a $500 billion approach uh, uh, Democrats reject, began circulating a new draft legislation Tuesday after a group of Republican and Democrat lawmakers unveiled a $908 billion bipartisan package. Mnuchin spoke a day after he and the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows addressed COVID-19 relief with McConnell and House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican out of California. 
uh, in a private discussion that focused on measures President Donald Trump could be expected to sign into law. McConnell's outline is very close to the legislation the Senate leader had been touting for months and was rejected by Democrats, according to one Senate Republican source. The plan includes $332.7 billion in new loans or grants to small businesses, according to a document provided to Reuters. Joe Biden's top Capitol Hill allies cut their demands for a $2 trillion-plus measure by more than half in hopes of breaking a months-long logjam. Biden said the developing aid package, quote, wouldn't be the answer, but it would be uh, the immediate help for a lot of things, unquote. That's what he said. <clears throat> uh, pardon me, folks. Uh, Biden's remarks followed an announcement by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Don't blame us, folks. Democrat out of California and Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer out of New York um, in support of an almost one trillion dollar approach as the basis, quote unquote, for discussions. The announcement appeared aimed at budging Senator McConnell, who so who so far has been unwilling to abandon a 550 million Senate GOP plan that has failed twice this fall. The Democrats embraced a 908 billion approach. Well, you know, I'm just going to say this real quick. <clears throat> Again, you know, at at the risk of repeating myself, I and I, I want to say broken record. Okay, there for Joe Biden. Joe Biden, the broken record, Joe. Right, the broken record. Um. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have held this thing up for months and months and months, in my opinion, because they thought this was the best way to hurt Donald Trump. This was the best way for them to try to make people so angry at Donald Trump that they would vote for Joe Biden. And of course, it's obviously political. Um, I, I, I just can't stomach uh, you know, the stuff that they say, you know, trying to help people and all that kind of thing, because if they wanted to help people, they would have helped people and they would have done it a long time ago. And now that we see even more uh, lockdowns and we may see lockdowns in other places around the country as well, more restrictions, even in with the advent of a of a, of a vaccine, hopefully in it, literally in the very, very near term. But even so, it'll take time to be distributed, take time to make its way through the population um but they could have helped people a long time ago and in the face of these new kinds of lockdowns what does that mean it means that many people will go out of business and the people that they employ at their business their restaurant small business what have you they're going to be out of work as well it could be a, a unfortunately a too little too late sort of scenario but why did they withhold the aid to the american people that is the question my friends and that is where it becomes so dastardly it becomes so horrendous and horrible that it's almost you almost can't even contemplate it because you have people who if they have to shut down their business or can't go to work because the business they work at is has so many restrictions or just can't operate i.e disneyland for example um, and, of, and of course also small business as well primarily small business but i mentioned disneyland because here you have a, a place that arguably could could spend a gazillion dollars on safety protocols and even they can't open basically um, so again everybody that worked at disneyland is just not working and in so many ways laid off thousands upon thousands of people well don't you think they need a stimulus package 
Don't you think they need something, Nancy Pelosi, while you get your hair done and eat ice cream? Or don't you think they need something while your Democrat cohorts go out to the French laundry? Don't you think they need something while you sit there, you know, saying to yourself, oh, good, they're going to get good and mad and they're going to be good and mad at Donald Trump and it'll go on and on and we're going to just be victorious in all this and then we can do whatever we want. My friends, I think it's just unconscionable. It's bad. It's wrong. It's it's un-American to withhold the aid that people need. While all the while, while all the while, they're just waiting for Biden to get back in office so he can go and he can give aid to the Iranian regime, so he can get back in the Iranian nuclear deal, so he can spread the wealth around to other countries, especially those that don't like us pretty much, so he can get us off of energy independence, so we can give more money to places like Iran. I mean, it goes on and on. But yet the American John and Jane Q public trying to make a living with their small business or their restaurant. Sorry, you're just you're up a creek. It's just that's just it. It's that's all she wrote. And, and I think it's it's incredibly mean spirited, incredibly bad. Well, Kyle, how, how else? Uh, other than that, how do you feel about it? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I don't want to try to be funny because it's not a funny thing. But boy, oh boy, um, you know, we should have never gotten to this point. It's just that simple. And, uh, you know, and, and the losses in the House for the Democrats are indicative of just how much trouble the Democrats truly, truly are in. If it wasn't for the shenanigans, uh, well, it might be a different story at the presidential level and still could be, by the way, because of these different lawsuits that are being filed uh, that can move forward. And again, as the captain says, he says quite rightly so, they have to find a judge who will who will take it up and so forth. There's another call that's gone to the Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania congressman to the Supreme Court, uh, given to Justice Alito, we understand, as a petition, essentially to have the court hear their case at the U- at the U.S. Supreme Court level. So we'll see how that works out. But I'm going to I'm here to tell you, though, if 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 and I, I this is sort of sounds like a catchphrase, it's not. But if half of what we're hearing about in Arizona and Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, if half the stuff we're hearing about and the truck driver, uh, we, the captain and I talked about this last night, the, the truck driver, contract driver who picked up the trailer with all the ballots in it and drove it from New York through New Jersey over to Pennsylvania, crossed state lines and brought in thousands upon thousands, over a hundred and something thousand ballots to be injected into the system. Evidently, you know, this is this is big time stuff. This is stuff that that that, uh, you know, if half of it is true. We've seen our democracy be subverted completely. And and I'm not I'm not saying that to try to editorialize about it. I'm, I'm simply saying if it's true. And from what we're hearing from people who've sworn affidavits, have come to testify, who are putting their uh, their, their themselves in, I think, great danger. Uh, you know, for example, this truck driver, he didn't he doesn't need this horrible problem in his life. He doesn't need to be uh, vilified, but yet he feels strongly enough that he feels that he needs to to tell the truth about this. That's huge. It's really, really huge. And um, if that's if this is the case, 
then we need to get it right because if we get it wrong, um, then God only knows uh, what's what's going to happen. So be thorough, follow the legal process, and yet you've got a lot of people out there, especially in TV land, just don't want to do that. Okay, quick break. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hey, John, I just heard you got a new computer. Congratulations. Thanks. It's the coolest thing. What will you do with your old computer? I don't know. I guess I'll just throw it away. Well, my company just bought new computers, and we decided to donate the old PCs to a place that gives them to local schools. You could do something like that. Seriously, who would want a three-year-old computer? Hey, it might be great for someone else. Computers can be refurbished and reused instead of ending up in the trash. By passing it on, you can help the community and the environment. If you're replacing your company's IT equipment or you're finished using your personal computer, pass it on to a local organization that accepts computers. To learn more, log on to epa.gov slash pass it on. This message was brought to you by EPA, Dell, Intel, HP, NEC, Philips, and this radio station on behalf of EPA's plug into e-cycling partnership. EPA does not endorse any commercial services or products of these groups. For information on all partners, log on to epa.gov slash plugin. In sports, five games were featured in hockey action last week. Every year, millions of people rely on portable generators when they lose access to electricity. But some of them don't understand that a portable generator's carbon monoxide emissions can kill if their generators are used indoors. So we're here to clear the air. Always take your generator outside, away from windows and doors. When you take it outside, you distance yourself from the dangers of carbon monoxide. For more safety tips, visit TakeYourGeneratorOutside.com. Have you saved a life today? We organize a blood drive at our school. My blood type is O. They really need that. Have you saved a life today? I have cancer, but I make sure all my friends know how important it is to give blood. My blood helps heart patients or accident victims. Have you saved a life today? No, but today, someone's blood saved my son. The American Red Cross. Call 1-800-GIVE-LIFE. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. I'd like to hear from you about the things we're talking about on the program. Go to KyleWarrenShow.com, click on Send Kyle a Message, or send it to my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Show. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're being schooled by Kyle Warren. The Professor of Politics. That's right. Class is in session. And uh, if you're here today, raise your hand. I see you out there. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue racing through and rocketing through the Wednesday edition 
and I hope that uh, your day has been going uh, pretty good. And uh, uh, we're going to continue on here with the program here. And let me uh, let me see here. There was something else I wanted to tell you about. Uh, let's see. And I had it right there, right before, <laughs> right before we came back. Um, and uh, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, Biden, according to the AP, is facing growing pressure over Secretary of Defense pick. Dateline Washington, President-elect Joe Biden, uh, is facing escalating pressure from competing factions within his own party as he finalizes his choice for Secretary of Defense. Black leaders have encouraged the incoming president to select an African-American to diversify what has been so far largely a white prospective cabinet, while others are pushing him to appoint a woman to lead the Defense Department for the first time. At the same time, a growing collection, a growing collection of progressive groups is opposing the leading female contender, Michelle Flournoy, uh, citing concerns about her record in private sector associations. Coalition of at least seven progressive groups warned Biden to avoid Flournoy in an open letter to Biden obtained Wednesday by the Associated Press that referenced her record of, quote, ill-advised policy decisions, quote unquote, particularly in relation to Saudi Arabia, Yemen and Afghanistan. Uh, those aren't important uh, problem areas, are they? Uh, and, and quote, an opaque history of private sector activity. Ms. Flournoy's consistent support for military interventions has contributed to devastating crises around the world, including Yemen, uh, said Jen, uh, Jahan Hakim, chairperson of the Yemeni Alliance Committee, which helped organize the letter. Other contenders are emerging, including retired Army General Lloyd Austin and Jay Johnson, who served as the Pentagon's top lawyer and then as the head of the Department of Homeland Security during President Barack Obama's second term. Both Austin and Johnson are black. The competing pressures are intensifying less than a month into Biden's urgent push to build an administration while trying to preserve the broad coalition that fueled his victory over President Donald Trump last month. Um, and facing massive government challenges once he takes office on January 20th, Biden can perhaps least afford to lose the backing of the Democrat Party's fiery progressive base, otherwise known as the squad, otherwise known as the Democrat socialists, otherwise known as those who, whether or not you placate them, will still seek to destroy you. I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is my opinion, but I, I think that the so-called squad, their ilk, the socialists, um, and that's, you know, at best, right? At best, they're socialists. They are looking to destroy the Democrat Party as we know it. They're looking to destroy the system pretty much uh, as we know it. Um, and they are looking to, they're not, well, I'll tell you what they're not looking for. They're not looking for a place at the table with Joe Biden to where they can feel like, you know, we're just helping president Biden and we're at his side and we're at, we serve at the pleasure of the president and we're just here to just, you know, make things a little better. No, 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 no. That's not it at, at all. Um, in fact, I think it's it's really, really quite devastating and scary um, where they're really coming from. And uh, so, again, now Biden can try to placate them. 
He can try to give them what they want, uh, either by lip service or by appointing this or that person to some uh, to some position. But it's not it's never going to be enough because really. And as I've said all through this campaign, the real story is the civil war in the Democrat Party. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, They're fighting on all fronts. And another front they're fighting on, as we mentioned on the program here recently, is I don't think that I think they think Trump has a possibility of pulling this thing out because they know what happened. Okay, they know exactly what's what's going on, but whether or not Trump can do it or not remains to be seen. But that being said, they continue to campaign against Donald Trump as well. And this, again, is another indicator that maybe they don't feel so secure uh to some degree because again if especially at the high levels of people who may know uh some of the different things that went on um you know i'm sure that they're wondering hey you know could uh, could trump still pull this thing out but either way uh the uh, the progressive wing of the party the fiery progressive base uh, that's you know uh, that's going to be problematic either way for biden um and of course, it'll be very interesting to watch the Biden machine try to dance around all that stuff. Uh, but I think AOC and the others, Bernie, they're they're going to get a real rude awakening. And I think, and but here's the, they're not going to be not vocal about it either. <laughs> they're going to they're going to be pretty darn vocal. There's no doubt about it. Uh, let's see, facing a massive government challenges from the uh, fiery progressive base, nearly 100 House Democrats belong to the Progressive Caucus, which may wield significant influence over Biden's policy agenda as Democrats cling to their narrowest House majority in a century. Um, yeah, and yeah, Nancy Pelosi, total disaster for that. Um, Biden has already promised to enact a sweeping pandemic relief bill while overhauling health care, immigration, and education systems and fighting for the most aggressive environmental protections in U.S. history. That read that is no more energy independence, okay? So, you know, get ready for that. Progressive groups have cheered a handful of Biden's early hires, particularly Heather, Heather Boshi and Jared Bernstein, to his Council of Economic Advisors, but have been far from satisfied overall. Well, that's to say the least. Despite early disappointment, they have resisted the temptation to embrace an adversarial tone. Just wait for it, by the way, folks, as they decide how to flex their muscles most effectively in the new political climate, especially with several major cabinet positions and senior positions yet to be filled. Justice Democrats, as they guess as they call themselves, spokesperson Walid Shahid called Biden's early picks, quote, a mixed bag but noted that they have generally been more progressive than Obama's early picks after his 2008 election victory. The thing that was alarming to me was when Joe Biden said, we already have a significant number of progressives in our administration, Shahid said. I talked to, uh, to a lot of people and they said, we have no idea what he's talking about. Well, join the club, Shahid. Join the club. Nobody knows what Joe Biden's talking about. <laughs> Nobody, nobody knows what Joe Biden's talking about. I think he said something about being a quartermaster and then running a second floor ladies department. I think, I think he said something about that. 
but join the club. No, none of us know exactly what Joe Biden's talking about. And, you know, so I guess on that, there may be common ground. Um, all right, let's listen in here briefly to a little bit start of an interview again with Martha McCallum from her program, uh, talking with Brad Parscale, um, the uh, former uh, Trump campaign manager, about how the plan that they had for the campaign seemed to diverge at the last minute. Let's let's listen in. It's off, um, and I, I, I'm not ready to, to call it off yet. Um, because I, I think it's weird. I just think it's still weird that, you know, things like in P- Pennsylvania, they'll votes keep coming in day after day after day after day. You know, Arizona, two every two hours, the votes kept coming in. But states like where they had it really organized, Florida and Ohio, easily pulled away. Um, and so I, I still think there's something to look at there. I, I, I'm not satisfied that this was a fair election. You said we had a plan, me, yeah, plan. the president, Jared, and we it was diverged from at the end. Obviously, you left finally in it, first in the summer, and then I was, finally I was removed in September. I was you were removed. removed. How'd you feel about that? I mean, I was hurt. I mean, it's, I mean that's an obvious sign now that I was hurt. Um, I didn't get a warning sign really that that no one asked me to change my plan. No one asked me to do anything different. I don't know exactly why I was removed and why all of a sudden. We had to challenge the plan. Um, I have a lot of thoughts of why I think that is, uh, but you know they, they paused the plan. Um, eventually, went back to it, but um, we had a plan. I had I had a lot of I had a lot of time to plan. Um, and in 16, you know, uh, people don't like to admit it, but you know, I was a semi-quasi campaign manager. Never got to say that publicly before because I couldn't. Um, Jared was the real campaign manager. I was the one doing the day-to-day, and we won. And it really didn't make sense to me why in 20 they had to Are change you away from 2016? 2016. I'm saying that I never really got to say what I really did. I never really got to say I was a semi-quasi campaign manager. Everyone got to say, oh, Brad didn't have the experience, but I had already won an election. Kellyanne was the campaign manager, no? Um, yeah, I think that was her title. But I think the people running the day-to-day operation were Jared and I. And I think that it didn't make sense why you would pull that team away to, if you're getting close in 2020. So you say we had a plan. What was the plan? Articulate it. Well, that's, I mean, that's going to take a book to articulate the whole plan. It's a big campaign. It's a billion-dollar operation. But we understood where the weaknesses where we need to pick up the votes. We understood what Election Day operations need to look like because of the legal fight. We planned that fight out two years in advance. I understood that this was going to happen. My team understood it was going to happen. We had a plan to increase Latino and black vote, which we did. We had a plan to try to keep the suburban housewives. We had a lot of plans. And we knew exactly what the path was to victory. Um, COVID threw a wrench in it, but we still had a plan even through that. Very, very interesting stuff. A very interesting interview. And uh, I, for one, would like to read that book uh, to find out more about uh, the plan, as it were. Uh, but a lot of people are asking questions. You know, what happened on election night in terms of of where the uh, uh, the challenges were going to be? And some of these things maybe we could have seen coming and maybe did see coming. Okay, folks, thanks for listening to the program today. We will see you on the radio tonight and right back here tomorrow you're listening to kyle warren take care out there